Hey everyone, welcome to the show. You're listening to Can I, the Latchel podcast named for the acronym Continuous and Never Ending Improvement. At Latchel, we have a deep belief that you can't get better by staying the same. And our podcast is here to give you the tools and resources you need to achieve healthy growth. As a Y Combinator backed company, we know what it takes to have rapid, accelerated growth, and we want to pass our learnings along to you. At Latchel, we help property managers and landlords grow and scale by taking over 24-7 maintenance operations. We've developed an innovative mix of software and on-demand support to help do that. Each week on this show, we bring on industry experts and we dive into the topics that'll help you shape your business. Welcome to the show. Let's get going. The Lateral Podcast is brought to you by Rent Manager, property management software that's customizable, configurable with an open API where you can integrate all the prop tech solutions you need to, including Lateral. They've been delivering solutions for single family, multifamily, commercial, short-term rental, manufactured housing, everything you can think of for over 30 years. And whether you have tens of units or tens of thousands of units, Rent Manager is the perfect solution to meet your adaptable, changing needs. My favorite part about Rent Manager is their open API because you can easily plug in solutions like Latchel and not lose out on data or visibility. And they're one of the best API solutions on the market in PropTech. Go check them out. RentManager.com slash Latchel podcast where you can get a free demo and learn why their API solutions are so powerful. Hey everyone, welcome to this session of the Latchel Property Management Podcast brought to you by Rent Manager. I'm Ethan Lieber, the CEO of Latchel, and I'm here with our guest today, Lee Hoffman, single family rental portfolio sales and build to rent projects at Strata SFR. Lee's come on to talk about his expertise in the build-to-rent space. We're going to talk about what is build-for-rent and why we've seen such a significant increase in demand for it over the last couple of years. Really excited to dive in here, and we're going to touch on how Strata SFR has become a leader in this space and the metrics they use as good indicators for target markets. Welcome to the show, Lee. Thanks, Ethan. How's it going? Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have you here. We've uh, we were talking about this before we started recording that we've had the opportunity to sort of uh, by chance meet at some of the parties Strata throws at the IMN conferences. Yeah, <laughs> I, ho- I hope you guys make it out to the one in Vegas coming up because I'll be there. Yeah, um, I'm not sure yet if uh, if Adam's going to be going, but I think uh, a couple of guys from the team are definitely planning on uh, on going out. And before we kind of just dive into Build for Rent, what it is, what you guys do, um, let's give the listeners some insight into kind of the background behind all this. So tell us, like, what brought you into this industry and got you working at Strata? Yeah, so uh, it's an interesting story. Um, I was a commercial diver before I got into real estate. So I was working uh, for a company called Biso Marine out of Houma, Louisiana, and we would go offshore and we were decommissioning oil platforms. And I ended up did that for like a year or two and I was always gone and I have a son. And so it was hard not seeing him all the time. I mean, we, I was gone more than when I was in the Navy. Hmm. So my uh, family was watching my son at the time. So they lived in Charleston. So I was going there and I met this guy, Bobby Grove, who worked for, at the time, a, uh, a home builder called uh, Pulte Homes. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah. He was like, you know, you're a nice, casual, uh, charismatic guy and everything. And, you, you, know, you know, like talking to people, you should try real estate. And he showed me his tax return and he made $204,000 for the year. And I was like, no crap, man. So I immediately, at the time, um, I wasn't working for BSO Marine anymore. I was working for BAE Systems, a global defense contractor, mm-hmm. uh, doing ship repair work. And I ended up um, 
called him up, uh, my supervisor, and quit. And then went and signed up for my real estate license right then and there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm one of those people, like, as soon as you show me an opportunity, bam, I'm, like, shifting gears and moving. So, took my real estate class and just got a – I tried getting on with the builder, but I didn't have any experience. So, or know anything about sales because I didn't have a college degree or nothing like that. So, I'm out there, and I just started going to real estate companies, worked for a couple of the, you know, big box brokerages, just doing regular residential residential sales. And then ended up wanted to get new apartments because my dad growing up, that was like all he did. He worked for all the big, um, big box apartment companies, Star, MAA, all that. Hmm. So we end up moving out to Charlotte and I'm on Instagram one day and I watched a Gary V video and ended up, uh, he was like, you know, Google the, whatever you want to do, look up the top 10 people in your area doing it. So I just put in multifamily and came up with this guy, Greg Rand, who at the time was working for renter's warehouse and ends up one of his videos caught my eye and he happened to be in the same town I was in, which is um, in Charlotte. I'm seeing him make videos and he's going over the numbers and all this stuff. And he had a lot of good content. So I just direct messaged him and within like, a day he responded to me uh, two days later we ended up going and meeting and he brought me to his office and he was like look i know you want to do the apartment thing but you know people buy houses like in bulk and i had no idea i thought it was just kind of on the regular residential mind track with knowing loans and things like that thinking well once you would buy if you're going to buy more than four houses you would just buy apartments and i i just didn't think people would buy more than that because, you know, after you buy four houses with an FHA loan, you got to get a commercial loan after, after four. So that was my way of thinking about it. He's like, no, 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 it's all wrong. So he brings me in, we do training one day and he's like, you know what? I'm going to have you meet this guy, Adam, which is Adam Stern who, who owns Strata. <laughs> and I ended up, we walked in there the first 24 hours. We were kind of like buttonheads Cause I was like, apartment guy and he was all about houses and he changed my mind really 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 fast and ended up working together for a few months he uh he left to start strata i left in uh left renters warehouse went over to svn and uh i hired two online assistants because i needed to find portfolio owners that adam was launching strata doing like trying to get the build for rent thing going mm-hmm. and this is like 2019 early 2020 time frame and he ends up, or I end up over that time, I hired two online Filipino assistants and we find 20,000 portfolio owners all over the Southeast. And we, I had to find ways to get data. So I looked up every way you could possibly think of to try to find data that was free. And I was like, you know what? You can't lie to the government. The government puts everything out public record. They got to have something on their websites. And we dug for weeks and ended up finding all the websites, find all the data that we get from all these fancy companies that you pay for. We were finding it all for free. We amassed this 20,000 person spreadsheet and um, I ended up leaving SVN. Um, and it was, there was a no compete for me working at Renner's Warehouse again for Adam. So once that was up, ended up um, partnering back up with Adam and, uh, Never looked back, started building the team out and everything. He had hired uh, two people before I had came to work with him. And, um, yeah, once I came on board, we just started going to the IMNs and throwing the parties. And Adam has been going to IMN for the past 10 years. But, um, yeah. you know, with his new company and, and the whole team, we, um, you know, we, we came out strong. We threw the party. And then we just – that – snowballed into now every event we we throw huge we find a whole nightclub and rent it out and, and throw a huge party for everybody because it's expensive die and then we wanted something a little bit more where um you can meet people it's more friendly environment it's not so professional where we're walking around trying to do business all day long it's more relaxed we made it to where we can invite everybody not just small selective parties that's awesome so and it's it's just turned into to what it is now. And What's crazy is like your the way you know your pathway into build for rent wasn't obvious, but mm-hmm. as you 
you know, got more into residential and met Adam. The timing of it all seems super relevant because, you know, if you rewind too many years, building to rent wasn't a huge thing. Like people were doing it, but it wasn't really like its own industry and classification like it is now. Yeah. I never even thought about it. Like it, to, to basically make a whole development, but make them all rentals. I mean, you're, you're no different than an apartment complex. It's just, you're giving everybody more space. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the t- I mean, part of the timing kind of makes sense too. like 2018, 2019, it starts getting bigger. 2020, you know, you have the pandemic sort of changes the way people look yeah. at where they're going to live. But I mean, you know, from its early roots to kind of where build to rent has, has come, do you have an opinion on what's actually driving the demand for build, the build to rent market? Like why, why has it become an industry of its own that's so appealing? I think people are, you know, it, like for build for rent, I think people want the space. Some people, they don't like doing their own maintenance themselves. People are getting lazier and lazier and lazier. You know, we keep, we dog this a lot of the millennial generation and stuff for having no skill in doing anything. Well, it makes sense why they're going to renting. A lot of them don't want to mow lawns. They don't want, to, you know, they don't want to fix the roof or anything like that. So if they rent, you pay a little bit more. You get, you you, you get all that stuff paid for by the by the rental company. And you know what? It's you don't have to worry about oh um, my, I gotta sell my house. You can just, you break your lease and you leave. You know, you'd be out in 30 days and there's no ties to it. I think they like that. A lot of this generation, they like to be mobile, you know, the whole laptop lifestyle, you know, where you can travel and everything. I mean, you got these kids out here making millions of dollars on crypto. They're sitting on an app all day long. (laughs) Yeah. Committed to anywhere. You know, they like, they like that. I mean, look at it in in this sense. think, Think about the, how marriage is considered a big thing. And so is owning a home. Well, Marriage rates are going down. They're plummeting. A lot more people aren't getting married. So the whole concept of like having your forever home with your family and everything, that American dream thing is dying out. People are going more towards, towards renting. Look, we got, we got renting for everything. You know, you got, you can rent your car if you don't, you know, you, you can rent, you know, your, your people Airbnb your car out. They're Airbnb their houses out, you know, and they're going and renting somewhere else while they're renting their house out. It's, yeah, it's easy. Everybody likes to third party everything. You know, we got we got Instacart that'll do all your grocery shopping for you. You know, I imagine too, like the you know, as housing prices have gone up, we actually we were talking to the economist at Zillow about this too. That not only I think that millennial group that you're talking about has a different sort of set of needs for the convenience factor, yep. but it, on top of that they're also much wealthier as far as renters go. So and part of that's probably because housing costs have gone up. So you Absolutely. potentially need to be wealthier now to buy homes, things like that. So you have people renting much longer that have a much different wealth profile than you know a decade ago. And when, when you have all that extra money, you know, you're willing to kind of pay premiums for more convenience exactly. homes. Exactly. And, you know, the big groups have come in and they pushed rent up a lot. So it's, you know, they, they know they can leverage it, especially, you know, when you find out you can hedge against with the, the rise in interest rates, you, you know, people are going to have to go to renting, you know, you, they can, the big guys, they, you know, they can track the data and, and you make it work your way. And now, like most of our listeners, I mean, our listeners are, actually crazy kind of diverse across the spectrum of how they do management. So many have heard of build for rent, build Mm -hmm. for rent's going to be a new concept to a bunch. So for those that are less familiar, can you just sort of give us like, just sort of like a, a, like 30 second kind of definition on what is build for rent. And then what does the actual process look like for companies that do build to rent? Like who are the operators in the space? How, how do you make a build for rent company work? Right. So what build for rent is in a nutshell, if you look at a neighborhood like a DR Horton, instead of all the houses in the neighborhood being for sale, 
every one of them is owned by a management company that makes them all rentals. So instead of a apartment complex, it is a housing complex that's all rentals. It's the easiest way to explain what a build for rent neighborhood is. Um, awesome. And usually it's, they own enough of them to where they can control the HOA. There's usually isn't an HOA. Um, I mean, it just depends on how they want to run it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's basically what a, uh, what a build for rent community is in a nutshell. And, um, and can you give folks sort of a sense for is the management of that community also the ownership or is it sometimes, you know, an ownership will, will take that whole community, but then have a different company be like, like a third party manager operator for it. Like what does that dynamic look like? Yeah. So uh, usually, usually it's, it's a fund or like a private equity group or a family office that may buy, pay for the whole project. And usually they'll hire a, if they don't, some are owner operators and some aren't, they'll hire a third property or third party property management firm to come in and manage the whole thing for them. But mm-hmm. it, it essentially works no different than an apartment complex. No different. You know, they'll have, um, like some of them say they'll take one house in there and make it a maintenance office and rental office all in one location. If they don't hire, like have an outside office, but um, it's, it's good for the operators because it allows to have all your house for SFR allows all your, you know, all your maintenance, everything is in one location versus scattered site. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as the management goes, it's really no different than a, um, than, than running in an apartment complex. Yeah. And do you see the ownership dynamic being much different? I mean, I've heard of a lot of like private equity coming into the build for rent space, but like, what does the ownership of these communities typically look like? Are there a few big institutions doing it? Is it a little more fragmented? It's it's a lot of the bigger um, bigger institutions in uh, in REITs are are buying them. Like you got like American Homes for Rent, um, Progress Residential is another big one. They're owner operators. we even even Dr. Horton stuff and a lot of the builders now, the big box guys, they're bringing on their own uh, build for rent arms. Dr. Horton, they got their own thing. Um, who's another one? Uh, I'm surprised that Dr. Hortons. You think they sort of like you think the lanes were sort of harder where you've got the builders, you've got like the ownership and management. You know. Oh, well, a lot of them are. We just did a call today earlier me and adam i don't want to say too much because some of it might give some of the builders who listen to your your podcast a little insight on who might be wanting to work with us but we uh just got off a good call with a big national who's um you know they they're ready to rock and roll and build for rent space they know everybody out here is doing it and they want to uh they're building their own their own arm they want to uh partner with a with a team that just make sure all their deals work and, and get them going. And, you know, they're, they're ready to come in real strong because they, they know they're coming in late to the game. So th- this is a great segue because I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, this, it sounds like a partnership call you just got out of. And right. you guys have seen insane growth the last year and you're considered a leader in this space. So I'd love for you to just kind of briefly just, tell kind of the, the, all the listeners who might not be super familiar with Strata, like what you guys do, but then I'd love you to follow it up and tell us like what you guys did to become such a leader in the build for rent market. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, I became a leader was, uh, was mainly due to Adam's, Adam's leadership and experience. You know, and a lot of us are really young guys. So we're, and we're, we're eager to learn, you know, Adam's done very, very well for himself. So seeing that every day and, you know, it's, it, it inspires you to, to do good. You know, we're always doing good, good events. So it, it, it helps a lot. And uh, what was the, uh, what was the first part of the question again? <laughs> the first part was there are going to be a bunch of folks that 
maybe haven't heard of you or totally not familiar with what Strata actually does. Yeah, sure. What we so, do, yeah. Yeah. So Strata is a, a built for rent and SFR portfolio brokerage. So uh, what we were just talking about, the building the communities for rent, and that's working with, we'll work with uh, builders, developers, landowners, and private equity firms that will fund and build the whole project and then they'll bring in property management and rent it. We broker that whole process. And then our other end is working with other either institutional or family offices or even small individual investors who own a minimum of five properties, usually in each core market. And when they need to sell them, we broker that and sell them to the institutional funds or other investment firms that may be a lot smaller, maybe on, you know, couple, couple hundred houses. So we'll facilitate the transaction with them. And uh, it's basically what it is. Just a bulk real estate agent is what it is. Construction and, and uh, scattered site. Awesome. So uh, a lot of our audience are customers of Latchel. A lot of folks Mm -hmm. are adjacent to the space. So they might not be customers of Latchel, but they, you know, want to stay on top of trends and kind of understand the market. And I think there are two, two folks that are probably listening right now that their ears may be perked up. One segment would be all, all the third party uh, property management companies that, that use lateral work with us thinking, well, this sounds like an interesting opportunity or there are ways for me to either work with strata or interface somehow with these, the build to rent ownership to be uh, the management arm. Um, so we'll, we'll cover that one first and then I'll jump to the second segment. But for that segment, like, do you have any thoughts or insights for them? So for, for, for a management company that does specializes in third-party management that might be looking right. at how can I do work more closely with these built-around projects? Uh, so for us, I, mean, I guess as far as property management goes, uh, we don't really work with them too much is unless they were going to send information over to us. But I know one of the ways to do it is um, as far as build for rent, I guess we would just have to find out if the operator or the owner is going to property manage them themselves. You know, if they're maybe looking to make a footprint in a new market where they don't have a team there or anything, they'd be willing to take on a third party. So it's um, mainly just networking with the funds and finding out who the actual owner operators are and then who the ones that are just owners. And it's filtering through those funds that you're going to make your ownerships, you know, to manage their properties. Um, That's probably one of the best ways. Um, Going to IMN is a good way of doing it just because you get to meet them there. Um, So most of the funds, they, they, they kind of keep that information to themselves once they're going to decide they're going to purchase it. Um, a lot of times we don't even, we don't even hear who they're choosing or doing for the property management. It's not even talked about. They, they handle that internally. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of the best ways to do it is, is Google them. You can you Google and then give them a phone call and, and talk to them. You get, you know, cold call, just like we do. You know, our, our CEO is, He's hitting the phone every day, just like us. And he, he don't let us make more calls than him. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you know, um, he proves it. He proves it all day long. You have like, he's one of my best friends. I have to schedule time on his calendar during the day to, to talk with him. I can't just call him. That's incredible. But, yeah, um, I, I love that. He still has his hustle on to that level. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't stop. He's always got something going on. I mean, always, always. But yeah, it's just door knocking and making phone calls is the best way to get these people to get in front of them. Yeah, it's sort of like it sounds like it, whether they're these giant ownership groups or even like your your smaller, maybe DIY mm-hmm. way with a few homes that might be looking for help like the the fundamentals of the go-to-market tend to be the same right you you pick up the phones figure out how to get in front of them 
have the conversation. Yep. Um, so we then we we also have a bunch of build uh, for rent folks that listen to the podcast that that actually use Latchel services as well, and um, these folks are probably more familiar with you. But for the build for rent companies, when they're thinking like you know, do I want to work with Strata or maybe you know another other options? What do you what would, what do you kind of say to them in terms of what sets Strata apart? in terms of like the value you drive for build for rent Right. So I think one of the ways that we do it better than a lot of the other ones, and uh, we actually just were having this conversation earlier today, is the way we do everything is all a traditional off-the-market method. We don't put it up on LoopNet. We don't list it anywhere and blast it out to 55 million people like most of the other companies do. We don't, um, you know, uh, we don't do Facebook Live with it or anything like that. We have solidified our connections with the groups that we work with to such a level and have done so much work with them that we're, we're not here to play around. You know, we're not, we're hitting the phone to try to get it sold and we're not letting, we're not listing it and then, you know, not answering our phone all day long. Call most commercial brokerage, they'll never answer your phone call. Any one of us are at the office, we're going to answer every time. You know, and, yeah, um, nice. you know, even the way you know, our disposition process, you know, we get our efficiency is, is really what our, our strength is because we will send a deal out and we'll get usually all offers back within a week. And then after that, wow. we're in due diligence. And yeah, we usually, we can get, if it's a scattered site, not a build for rent, but of a scattered site, we can get it done in about 45 days. That's incredible. And that's because we're for the market. And what we do is we identify the top people that we, the top funds that we deal with and then other ones that are there. And we find whatever, what assets they currently own. And as long as the portfolios match up, I mean, it may end up being a mix of, selling certain ones in a portfolio to two or three different funds. But we already know from the track records of working with them, what they buy. And we'll tell you right away if it's going to be junk or not. We don't take every listing we get just like we don't take every build for rent project. We get, we'll probably get 20 in a week and take one or two of them. And it's just for the ones that we know we place. We pick the best ones and place them because I mean the institutions and stuff they're going to buy they're buying the best quality product out there so we've got to service the best quality products for them we do get we do got guys that got you know want small rehab portfolios and stuff like that but you know and it just if it doesn't fit their buy box or where they're at you can't really do anything with it yeah are there certain like metrics or trends that you're evaluating when kind of picking a market that's going to be a good fit for the build for rent asset type. Yeah. I mean, most of them, you know, we're looking for an expense load to not be too high. We're looking for a specific cap rate in the way we underwrite everything is so every, every fund, depending upon the market they buy in is going to have different criteria. So once you work with them enough, you can kind of know, when you're in a certain market and you look in that spreadsheet, you're looking at the numbers, you can tell if the houses are going to work or not. So if this expense load is way out of whack, you're like, all right, what's going on? Did they spend too much money? Are they not spending enough money? What, what's going on here? You, the numbers tell a story, you know, and then throws the cap rate out of whack and, you know, we'll look at some houses and you're like, all right, these, you know, you'll take the address and you look it up on Zillow and you say, is this institutional level housing? So it just, all the little things you'd, you'd basically do for looking at a house or, or things you'd look at for trying to find a, a rental. You know, most of the funds want, and, and most of the people out here in the world want a three, two or bigger. So, you know, if you get a spreadsheet in, that's a bunch of two ones, that's going to be hard for you to get away. It's going to take a particular buyer to buy that. So you just narrowed your buy box. You know, are they thousand square foot or bigger? No. All right, cool. You narrowed it down even more. So, you know, you have to sometimes just looking at the bed, bath and square 
footage, you're going to know if you're going to be able to move it or not. And then next thing is like the, the uh, vintage. You know, most want a 1960 or newer vintage. Some don't care, you know, as long as it's rehabbed or anything like that. It, it just all depends. But and like, how, how does that change when you're talking about building like communities or building properties for the express purpose of writing them out you know, versus acquiring existing rental portfolios? Um, so that's a little bit different. Um, you're still going to go through the same analysis on it because it's essentially they're just current at, at current stage. They're rentals that are not stabilized. They don't have no, nobody in them. So you're going to, yeah. you know, and your expense load is going to be is going to be fine depending upon the area. The only thing that'll make it build for rent um, usually out of whack is high taxes. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, there's certain states that. You know, like, for instance, like, it's tough in South Carolina in some areas because taxes are so high. And, you know, and in South Carolina, it's beautiful. A lot of people want to live there, but built for rent doesn't normally work in too many areas. So, and, you know, you're, you've got no expense load because they're brand new products. So, you know, your maintenance costs are going to be relatively low. It's going to be fixing little dumb things. Most of it will be more than likely covered under a warranty because they're brand new. So, and you're looking at it like, all right, you're putting the money in now and building a brand new product. And if depending upon, you know, what average hold time is with seven to 10 years with that, maybe, maybe 12 before, you know, companies or firm gets ready to, to sell it off to somebody else. So they're, you're they're not even worried about CapEx for the next 10 years. It's just a minimum, you know, minimal little maintenance requirements that you got to take of take care of for the year, but anything major is not, is not going to be under your, your concern at that time. You know, most of the, your major systems are 15, 20 years. It'd be sold and gone by that time. Yeah. Well, so, you know, to kind of expand on that. And this is probably a little bit of a two parter of a question, because I'm sure it's different for, um, you know, existing communities changing hands versus uh, communities being built or in the process of being built. But we all know, you know, housing's in short supply. There's a crunch there. There's all this demand for, for rental housing. And at the same time, the actual, uh, you know, uh, home market is constrained as well. There's these supply chain constraints we're getting like materials for for new builds has been challenging so i wonder from your guys perspective sitting in this sort of like interchange between all 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 parties in the the purchase and renting of these communities are you seeing like significant delays on projects due to these you know supply constraints and all this pent-up demand or or is business sort of just better than ever because it's creating these kind of lopsided market environments? Uh, so my my opinion is well, in and obviously, yeah, we're we're dealing with supply chain issues too. Every builders, they've got their their strengths and what they can and cannot get. Um, so you're dealing with that. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of our projects don't start for a year year and a half out, you know, most of the time for your average build for rent, just because there's a lot they got to do. But um, yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody out there is having issues. A lot of people are canceling their, their home purchases at these big box brokerages. So because they're, you know, they're getting called up saying, Hey, your windows are still going to be delayed three months or whatever. So what that does is, you know, it ends up going back on the builder where now they got a lot again with it, with a house they've already started building. You know, so they end up having to have something to do with it. So they end up, they're going to end up selling them all out to build for rent. I mean, they were telling us about communities. Um, I don't want to say specific communities to give them the builder away, but um, they were talking about certain communities that they had that a lot of people just came back and said, you know what, we're not going to do it anymore because they can't afford it. Because they're going to rent. And now they got all these lots that they got to do something with now. So they're going to give them to us. But uh, so it sounds like then the some of that those supply like supply chain issues are potentially actually sounds like maybe helping 
build for rent. Yeah, and the tough thing too is you got to think about it from a business perspective. And if you got a builder that calls up and says, "Hey, I need," you know, because you got to remember they're, they're they're selling houses one at a time to be built, and then you have a build for rent fund that comes in and said, "We need five thousand windows because we're building two hundred houses," you know, in a, in a neighborhood, and then you know. Horton calls up and says, hey, I've, I need, you know, we're going to build one house today, so we need 30 windows. Who do you think they're going to prioritize? Not meaning in the way of the big the big box names, but you got a, somebody that says, I need enough windows to build 200 houses, and then some say, I need to build one. Who do you think they're going to prioritize? Right. So, I mean, it's... it's building a couple hundred. <laughs> it's just the way it works, you know. You've got... And, and all it's doing is coming through is... One, you know, one fund is buying all these houses, so they need all these windows versus the one family that comes in and says, you know, we're buying this and they order their windows. It's just how it goes. They're going to prioritize who is spending the most money. Yeah. You know, and that's the, the tough part with the supply chain and then with just everything going up and, you know, people buying a house, they don't want to be keep getting delayed over and over and over and over again. Well, and then it sounds like if that's maybe like kind of the tailwind that's giving build for advantage, it seems like the headwind might be well, we just had this interest rate increase, right, of 75 basis points in, in June. Probably will continue increasing a bit. How are, are you seeing negative effects on project timelines and build for an activity as interest rates are going up or? What kind of a little bit. A little bit. A lot of them slowed down and kind of had to rework their numbers and make sure certain projects were still going to work. Um, and then some of them just slowed down buying a little bit. But um, I mean, most of our timelines are are long with build for rent. It's never it's never a perfect timeline. You know, it they something always gets delayed by a little bit, regardless of any supply chain issues. It's just some things happen, you know, sometimes you get a, a certain vendor that some happens and they end up getting kicked off the job and they got to find a new vendor to come in and fill them. So that it gets delayed. I mean, it just, it's not a perfect schedule, like a transaction when you're selling real estate is in like scattered site lots or one home. It's not a perfect timeline like that. Your, your delays are weeks or months at times. You know, yeah. I did it build for rent project with uh, um, a firm ResiCap in Waxhaw, North Carolina. And it literally got delayed. It's still delayed. We're actually getting ready. These, all these lots were supposed to be finished in March. No, May. And they ended up getting delayed the last 13 houses until October. Wow. Because of a concrete issue. Yeah. Crazy. Or the wrong size slab. Oh, no. Okay. It's supposed to be a strength strong enough to hold three-story townhomes, and what they poured could only hold two. So they had to go. Mm. So no supply chain issue is, is at all, nothing. But they had to rip it all out and redo it. So that's what and we got to later. How many homes did they have to do that for? Just the last 13. But it was um, 46. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, 46 townhomes total. And, yeah, uh, imagine like with build for rent, it becomes critical that the you know su suppliers, service providers you're working with got their you know stuff together because if you you do the wrong thing on a hundred homes, the cost of undoing that is far I've heard all kinds of crazy stuff. Wow. I mean, I. Mold in the houses, and I mean everything. People breaking into them, and I mean, it, you name it. Stealing air yeah. conditioners, washing machines. It's, I mean, it. Yeah, this it's wild. I mean, that's yeah. yeah that's the tough part with uh, real estate. It happens everywhere. Built for rent, traditional rentals. Like things go wrong in the real world. You're dealing with real supply chain problems, real product problems. 
you've got lots of different people in the mix to make it all work. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's why there's so much opportunity in it too, though, because it's it's not easy to organize this stuff well. And when you can build a company that like yours that has the processes down, perfected things, you know how to de-risk certain parts of you know the the product experience. You, you yeah. can get things ticking. And it's probably why we've seen so much innovation in this space. I think um, I read a report recently that estimated build for rent as an kind of industry or segment would triple in the next year. I mean, kind of if that, if that keeps happening, I think we're going to see a lot of innovation. But from your perspective, like, do you have a sense or a feeling for like where most of the innovations will happen in the space and kind of what build for rent's going to look like in, in five or 10 years? Oh, all right. it's going to be tech. I think you'll see, I, I think you're going to see build to rent start going to probably within the next five years, 3D printed model houses. <laughs> I think you'll see more manufactured housing going up because they'll be able to throw it up faster. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be, I think eventually materials are going to change. Um, you know, for instance, I talked to kids who were building an apartment complex. This is in 2019. For what it was going to take for them to build the apartment complex out of wood per pound, they were able to get this special like plastic material made in like Norway and shipped over here for a dollar a pound cheaper. This kid said he showed me a video of he walked up to a beam that was like a hundred foot long, like a big roof truss, and grabbed it on one end, and it looked like steel. He grabbed it on one end and like pressed it up. And these are building orders. And he was strong enough to go over and lift a corner of the whole thing up. That's how light this material is. So it just, and that was an innovation. Wow. So I, I mean, you're going to see all different things, um, you know, start changing. Um, tech is going to be a big one. Look at, look at when we go to IMN, all the different service providers are often all different tech and everything. And all the guys call us, all the property management software is an asset management software and how to generate leads and, and everything. I mean, it's, it's all going to, it's changing every day. I mean, you know, we're, we have a, a software platform that we're, um, we're a listing platform. We're going to be dropping. So we're, you know, we're coming up with things too. Yeah. It makes it fun. This, this is like a learning about all the new things that we we, we have to, to offer to people out here. It's really cool. Yeah, one of the things I love about the industry is uh, there are so many parts to the, the kind of end-to-end of what, you know, the, the big community management you know, build for rent is that you can see innovations in the build side with materials, you know, uh, sturdier but cheaper products like like that the guy you were talking about who built like the steel truss that was like light enough for him to like lift one side up. You then have uh, you know the whole like operating model too, which is like how do you make the the ongoing management maintenance of these communities easier? What what technologies, services, tools do you inject to make the process of renting you know the the communities easier and then providing resources for those residents that you know to have a great experience living there to, to continue retaining and paying higher rents because there's more convenience the homes are new they're beautiful you're getting all these extra services um you know, resident benefits is sort of a, a trend generally in this space and i see build rent communities with amenity packages that are you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. They include yep. all this IOT, right? The internet technology like Ring, Ness, you know, it'll include yep. obviously like Latchel, it'll include all kinds of crazy things. Um, so I think there's just so much innovation that can happen um, as you're kind of looking at the current trends. Are there certain things you're kind of keeping your pulse on? Or, or certain trends that you think maybe are, are going to be critical for property managers running build the rent to, to make sure they're tracking? Data, data, data. 
literally that's all I it's just the, the data keeps getting better and better and better and better and I pay attention to that I mean we all do I mean Adam's real big on analytics and dashboards and things like that and um yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm paying attention to everything. I'm watching what the competitors are doing all the time, and we, we always try to stay ahead of everybody. Um, From a data perspective, is there certain, like, use cases or, or reasons that data is going to be so important? Yeah, so, you know, it allows you to track every, you know, it allows you to find the people you want to work with. It allows you to track certain trends, and it allows you to, you know, it's like, it's like watching um, the uh, candlestick chart on the stock market. You know, you're you're watching what it what what everybody's doing, and you can especially if you're tracking data and you're looking for leads, you're going to be able to find. You know, if you're a property management company and you want to find more more owner operators, you're going to be able to use that data to find owner operators. You got you know companies like Adam and Black Knight and CoreLogic and Cherry and you know, they're all providers out there, you know, they, and your, your platform or their, their platforms they provide you so much data on, on the company and, and the person and, and what they have that you're, it's just makes it like fishing in a barrel. Yeah. You know, but and, I know, what, oops, sorry. What's that? And that's like, that data is, as far as I understand, I correct me if I'm wrong here, because um kind of making assumptions, but it sounds like this data is critical to understanding sort of the, the, the market that's going to be right, the, the partners that you'd want to be working with, um, and the uh, assuming the kind of profitability of the investments you're making, right? Absolutely. You're able to identify everything, especially if, you know, I you guys, for instance, like a property management company, you guys make a business plan, how many houses you want to get, you know, per, per day, per month, per year, for five years. Well, if you're, you know, you, so you you know how many houses, what your target is. So you just use the data to target all the companies that have way more than enough houses to give you guys a chance. So you would just use that data and just leverage your marketing against, you know, against them on it to, to get mm -hmm. clients. You know, because you're gonna you're gonna be able to know everything where they have houses at and where you guys are in relation to them, and it allows you to almost formulate your own kind of like proposal around where they're at and everything. You know, and, and you know, I think it just makes it, it allows you to be more targeted. You know, and you're if you're not going to be on board with the best fastest data, get out of the way because we're going to steamroll you. <laughs> you know? uh, and it's just it's just how it works. Yeah. As the kind of like a, sort of the, the, the brokerage in the middle here on these large communities and build for rent, will, are you guys sort of leveraging all of this data on behalf of the, the folks you work with? Or is there certain expectations that some of the decision making they'll go through, they should have? components of the data and then you're filling in gaps like how, how does that dynamic work right. with your yeah. clients okay so what we do first is when we get data data is just an assumption it's not you know we don't we look at it as an assumption it's not factual so you know it's it's not an exact so mm -hmm. when we get a portfolio in or a build for rent project and it goes through our underwriting and uh, shout out to Meg, the Meg, our analyst. She uh, she's OG man. She does like fifty deals a day. I mean, I don't know how she does it. Oh, wow. Okay, but, that's insane. You know, she, she's lightning fast. And um, so we'll get them in, and once it comes back from Meg, we look it over, and then we schedule a call with the seller owner, and then we go over it with them, and we let them know that everything on there is just assumptions to just like, are we in? Are we close? You know, and we will dial that whole spreadsheet in with them. We go over it, how the institutions look at it and everything like that with them. And then once we agree on a price and they okay it, then that's when we hit the ground running five seconds later and we start identifying who our funds are going to be to buy it. 
And then, yeah, and then we, we send our, you know, we'll, we'll send the package out to them and then give them a date to have an offer in by. And then that's, that's usually as simple as it is. But we, we, once our underwriting is done, we, our main, the most important thing is for us to sit and review it with the owner, make sure our owners were, that when we're all on the same page, as far as how we got our data and what they, you know, how accurate they think it is. And then we at, we allow them time to, if it's a lot of houses, obviously they may need a week or so, you know, if it's over 20 or 30 to go back, update condition scores on it and things like that to make sure it's dialed in. And then we go back over it, make sure the numbers all look right. And then in our realistic. Yeah. And as long as we agree on that number, we move forward. It's, it's literally as simple as that. I love that. Well, Lee, we're, we're coming close to an end. I want to ask you one question before I let you kind of point folks to where they can learn more about you. Um, you have a, a crazy interesting pathway to having gotten to where you are. And now that you're here, I like, I know building a business, it doesn't matter like what the business is in. It is brutal building a successful business, especially to the level of success Strata has gotten to. Do you have any kind of words of wisdom or advice for folks coming into real estate, looking to achieve similar levels of success? Like anything you want to say to those folks before we go into wrap up here? Yeah. Don't give up. Find someone who's doing what you want to do. And do not listen to anyone else who's not in the world. I let a lot of people influence me in the wrong ways. And it made me slow down in real estate. It almost made me stop. And I had to keep saying, you know what? Screw them. I'm going to do it anyway. Just because it was like a weird thing where I felt like it was calling calling me because it knew I knew I could change my life. So yeah, the, the main thing is just don't give up. I've, you know, people see all the, the good and the success and the parties and stuff. I've had days and weeks where I've cried and being sad because deals have blown up and fallen apart. I probably cried more in the last year than probably all of your viewers and listen, listeners have in their whole freaking life. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> It's major, major ups and downs, you know, it's like some of the paydays on these are, 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 are massive. So if you're banking on them for a while and then it falls through, you're like, damn, because you planned out all the cool things you're going to do in the future. And, you know, you have to be okay with letting things go, even though you see big numbers on it. Sometimes you just got to be able to, you know, walk away from it. But not giving up is the main thing. I see a lot of people give up. A lot. And I mean, I had brokers when I was starting telling me I should give up. I shouldn't do it. He started his own real estate team and I've sold more real estate than his entire team has in their existence. So, and there was a guy that told me when I first started, wow. I wasn't going to get anywhere, you know, and now his little team is like, you know, a fart in the wind. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, you know, uh, it definitely showed him, man. Yeah, That's crazy. You just gotta, you just gotta be, be positive, not listen to people, be charismatic, you know, um, depending upon if you want to be a regular real estate broker or a commercial or do like, you know, what we do uh, and showing up, showing up, showing up is one of the biggest things. You know how many people tell me every day, Lee, I'm going to quit doing what I'm going to do. And I'm calling everybody out who's going to watch this that knows me, every one of you who literally say all the time, Lee, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to come work for you. How do I come work for you? I'm like, you show up. Like we don't almost don't even care that you want you to have a real estate license or, or some skill to offer us now. But for the most part, we needed people to, to train and stuff. It was just like, just show up, just show up. Well, I'm not driving 30, 40 minutes to go there. Well, I'm driving an hour and 10 at the time to come up here every day. You know, and it's 100% commission. I'm not getting a salary. You know, I put in what I, I get, what I put in. So I was like, all right, well, suck it up. You obviously don't want it. Like, I'm doing it. You know, I, I've dealt with being broke and struggling and everything, and I, I made it happen. It took some time, but you have to not give up and you have to show up. You know, now I get to where I don't have to put much effort in during the week. You know, I don't have to do the 80, 90 hours a week anymore. I do like 
15, 20 hours a week. And it, um, uh, you know, I just, I know what to do. I've identified who I need to work with and it just, it's just, you just have to do it. I you think we got the, uh, we got the title for your, your autobiography. Don't give up, show up. Yeah. And I mean, Hey, I don't know if you've, uh, and I've been around a lot of, a lot of crazy guys. A lot of people know, um, no, David Goggins. I was in the Navy, and when I was going through um, uh, dive prep school, he was he was up there as an instructor. You know, he's he's made me do a bunch of shit too. And you're getting around that guy, and I mean, he's one of the most influential people on the face of the earth now. And I had the the privilege of being around him, and it's it's intense. And I've always kind of seeked out the best people. That's the other thing too. You got to seek out the best people. And you got to be able to reflect on yourself and say, like, all right, so what? who do I need to be to be around the best people? Like, for Adam to take me serious and for me to work with him, I had to I had to sit and go freaking reinvent myself to make sure this guy was going to be able to, like, show me how to do shit. I had to sit and literally, like, am I – how do I need to do – what do I think I need to be or who do I need to be around him in order to get him to show me how to do this and take me seriously? You know, so it's you got to come at it with a, a certain level of seriousness too. You know, you got to be able to ditch the going out and getting beers with the buddies. I've sat and I've watched YouTube for hours while friends were out drinking and partying, having a good time, and now we're the ones that are out throwing the huge parties, and they're not there because they wasted all their money going out. Now, you know, we're able to do it, and it's not an issue. So. So just, we take, take this one as a, a compliment, but if anyone ever asks me what's Lee Hoffman like, the, the two words that are immediately going to come to my mind will be the the epitome of grit and persistence. <laughs> um, I, I love that you're answering this question. Like you are fascinating and like the work you're doing is incredible. Um, I think folks are going to want to talk to you and, uh, or at least learn more about you and learn more about Strata. Um, with your part, parting words here before we wrap, where can folks go to learn more about you and Strata SFR? Yeah, so um, all the social media channels for Strata SFR. We got uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, my Instagram, because uh, my name, everybody calls me Lee Hoffman, but my real name is Leland. I only get called Leland if I'm in trouble. But, um, which happens all the time but, um, but anyway so um, my Facebook is uh, Lee Hoffman um, LinkedIn is Lee Hoffman my Instagram is at Lee Hoffman um, yeah and then my email is L Hoffman so it's L-H-O-F-F-M-A-N at strata sfr.com no, I think that's uh, I think that's it. All my all my links. Oh, my Snapchat. If you want to follow me on Snapchat, is Leland three twenty six. Awesome, Lee. Uh, this was incredible. Thanks so much for coming on. I learned a lot more about Build for Rent than I knew before. I have a feeling everyone listening knows a ton more than they knew before. And anyone that's in Build for Rent right now now has a, a new friend and contact in the space. I hope they reach out to you. And um, if they're not already, definitely get in touch with Lee to learn about how uh, Strata SFR can help you. Um, Lee, thank you for joining. Thanks everyone else for tuning in. It was an awesome conversation. Really appreciate it, Lee. Yeah, Ian, Ethan, thank you for uh, thank you for having me. This is a good time. You know, maybe we do a, do another one. We'll go a little bit more in depth, or we can. Um, you know, maybe we do uh, one where it's like a build for rent specific or like an SFR specific one. Oh, absolutely. I would love that. Let's, um, we'll definitely sync back up, get you connected for round two, where we can go, you know, even deeper on a couple of these topics that we've touched on. Yeah. Now for everyone, for everyone listening, uh, if you're interested in more topics like this, on property management, growth, scalability, build for rent, whatever it is, head over to Latchel.com, subscribe to our newsletter, and stay up to date on all the upcoming podcasts, webinars, tactics for growing your management company, 
and even some of like the oddball things that uh, might just sort of tease the brain and get you interested in other growth topics. So head over there, latchel.com, subscribe at the bottom of the page to our newsletter, Property Brew. Thanks everyone for joining. And Lee, thank you again. It was an awesome conversation. Looking forward to round two. Yeah, absolutely, Ethan. Let's do it. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date. Hit that subscribe button. Give us some love. Maybe give us a five-star review too if you like what you're hearing. And I have an ask for you. I'd like you to go to latchel.com and click the book a demo button to schedule time to talk with us. We want to hear about your business, how you've been, how you're growing, how maintenance is going at your company. Maybe we can work together, maybe not, but you won't know unless you talk to us. So go to latchel.com, click the book a demo button. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I know the rest of our team here is. So go do that as soon as you can. Thanks, everyone. See you back next week.